Hi, I'm Wilmer. I'm Yuki. And we'll be discussing the way we use science, art, tech, culture, math, food, to navigate the world, share what works for us, and what brings joy to our modern family. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of our podcast, and we're going to check in on some New Year's resolutions. And I, for one, have a little bit of a love-hate or respect slash, you know, dislike of New Year's resolutions. I love the spirit of it, the spirit of, of transformation and growth and adjustment, but the whole notion that it has to begin on some specific day because it's the first of the year, that's, I think, right where people, uh, you know, sort of fall off the wagon and aren't really set up for success. Hi, everyone. So, yeah, it's where we're past the middle of February, and this is around the time when it gets a little heavy. The groundhog may or may not have seen a shadow. You could be freezing your butt off. The, the fresh, shiny snow and the, the nice polish of the goals and the motivation are wearing off, and it's still cold and you're like man I just want that big greasy burger I just want that cigarette or you just want that vice you just want that thing so what's funny is that the the history of resolutions are as old as the 19th century and people have been breaking them or not taking them as seriously for almost just as long uh, it's it's just very interesting how we are programmed to want to start something at zero or the beginning so january 1st is the day to get healthy quit smoking you know read 10 million books and and you know save the world plant the tree and uh much like anything else if unless planned accordingly you can quickly lose theme yeah it's um it's one of those things that like i said it it, it starts off with the best intentions and when when you have this resolution that has a finite nature to it you you almost want to just think that you're just getting it started and then you stop and look i'm not saying i'm perfect at resolutions and and i do this too i start something with great intentions and then it it sort of falls off the wayside and um i think everybody falls victim to that right you 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 think you're gonna start something and you have very intentional and you're gonna really go for it and then you just let it go but you know you alluded to the fact that having a plan is critical to success right and um but it but but it's not even just a plan you know i i think everybody goes into and you know i know tons of very disciplined people i don't even think that it necessarily has to do with discipline it's about making it actually attainable because if you say to yourself, I'm going to, you know, January 1st, I'm going to lose weight. Boop, 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 boop. Like, what's, what, what, is, what does that mean? What, what, what does that mean for you tomorrow? You're not going to lose weight overnight. So January 1st, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to quit smoking. Whatever your goal is. And you can't just say you're going to do that January 1st and then just expect everything to fall in place. I know routine and repetition is a big part of it, but there's so many other moving parts affiliated with that one goal. Uh, how have you been eating? Have you meal prepped? Have you bought the groceries? How are you going to keep motivated? 
How are you going to deal with cravings? So you guys, you have to kind of see all the little compartments of this 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 bigger goal. If, if you want to lose, you know, 50 pounds and you've been working out for three weeks, four weeks, you might feel very discouraged that you're only dropping a pound a week when realistically a pound or two a week. It's great. It's that's, fantastic. That's great success. And, and I think that's uh, one of the things that, really derail resolutions and and forget resolutions whether they're new year's or birthday or whatever it is that derail these grand plans is um the sunk cost fallacy where um sometimes people will go well you know it's it's thursday and i haven't worked out any days this week so (laughs) i might as well just pig out the rest of the week or not work out at all because you know, what the hell? It's all sunk cost at the end of the day. <laughs> and I think that's where things derail. And like you were saying, um, just seeing progress uh, is is where you, you can really rack up a lot of these small wins. You know, if, if uh, you know, sometimes I have a resolution to work out more often and I look back on a week, a month, and I say, well... Did I at least, maybe I didn't do it all seven days this week or whatever, but did I at least work out more often than not? And if the answer is yes, then I say, okay, we're, we're going in the right direction. But, but hold yourself accountable. Like I know like I, when I say I want to do something, man, it needs to go on the calendar. I need to set a timer. I need to, you know, like anything else, make room for that in my life. You can't just say, I'm going to start going to the gym on January 1st and expect everything to fall into place. Saying broadly that you want to attain a big goal without much more is just setting you up for failure. Yeah, it, it becomes a lot easier when you, when you break it down into smaller digestible bites that you understand and know what progress looks like for that thing. A very wise person once told me, uh, how do you eat an elephant? And it's really no simpler than just one bite at a time. Uh, another thing that's important is, man, there's so many resources out there for us. Do your research. You know, thanks to the Internet, we have tons of information just out there waiting right for the picking. So there's tons of people out there already doing exactly what you want to do, learning the thing that you want to learn, uh, willing to teach others for a fee or, or for free. Um, there's tons of courses, communities, ebooks, podcasts, all available to you. Um, just get on there and just dive in and, and see, fi- find the motivation and, and the support you need. Yeah, taking on something like, like running a marathon is really overwhelming. And with all the information available out there, you can really set yourself up for success with the right expertise that is just so very plentiful out there. And, and speaking of not doing it on your own, grab a friend or friends that can help you stay accountable. A couple of years ago, we did a, a weight loss challenge with some friends and it was very minor stakes, right? It was whoever lost the, the most sort of percentage amount of weight, that particular couple bought dinner for the other couple. And really making a game of it among a group of friends was... Uh, a very beneficial thing to do. 
Yeah, and, and, and enjoyable. Um, one thing that I started doing differently in the recent years is to really document and journal my journey. For me, I, I really wanted to meet a weight goal and, you know, just going to the gym and eating well, it, it is not enough. It sometimes helps to see the gains and, you know, if you have a bad week, it helps to see the direct effects of that. So I know that for me, even making a note of calories in versus calories out or, wow, I, I did you know, two big workouts and I, I, I feel great. Like you keep track of what makes you feel good, like how much water I'm drinking. It's really helping me just see and, and define what actually is working for me. One app that I'm using is called My Fitness Pal. Now, some people are like, oh, that's miserable. You know, counting calories is terrible. But I'm telling you, it's it's really what sets you apart. I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm trying to meet a goal. Um, I have really good habits. I eat well. I work out. But I really, I am goal-oriented. So I, if I have one day where something changes, I want to see right away, like a scientist, whether or not that was beneficial or not. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely have a little bit of patience too, right? I mean, you mentioned you're not trying to do something for the rest of your life, but if you make a good enough habit of it, it can certainly have long-lasting effects. And you you talk about journaling and, and documenting, and you definitely have to measure what matters. And, and you have to know what you're measuring and keep track of it in a visible place. I know we've tossed out a bunch of examples about weight loss, but really, that's under the overarching theme of health. And yeah, weight is just one measure of health. And having knowing the right things to measure, measuring multiple things than just weight loss, I think is another way that you can see progress. Um, mm-hmm. Is, well, all right, fine. Maybe the weight isn't what it's supposed to be, but what about the inches? What about the uh, body fat percentage? What about all these other metrics that are also indicators. And how you're feeling, your energy level, um, or, or even what your doctor says. If your doctor says, hey, you know, you look great, but I, I checked your, your, your levels here, and your levels, you're, you're deficient in this, deficient in that, you, you know, your, your skin is bad, what, what's going on? So your, your body has different ways of telling you, you know, whether your health is, is good or not. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. Tracking how you're feeling, even though it's objective, right? It's not a scientific measurement like BMI or, or any of those other, you know, things, calories in and out. Tracking how you're feeling after you've started something like a workout regimen is going to make you also measure that, right? Hey, I feel good today. I felt energetic today versus I was tired and lethargic. And if you have that more often than not, you're definitely moving in the right direction. But back to the the journaling and documenting. If you have a great day where you are like, wow, I feel good, I feel great. If you have been keeping track of your actions, you can notice the pattern of, huh, you know what? Today is the first day I have gone three days without eating cheese, for example. You'll know what you did to get you there. You'll know what you did and you're like, huh. Maybe I have a, a dairy intolerance or something that I had no clue about. So it's, it, it's really helpful to find those patterns. And as we get older, you know, just because you've been having a milkshake every morning for breakfast, 
it maybe that's no longer the case. You can develop an allergy or, or, or an intolerance at any time. Yeah. Well, you know, continuing along the topic of uh, resolutions and self-improvement, one thing I want to talk about is aging. And in particular, I noticed that as I was training for a marathon that I was really exposed to the sun a lot more often than I usually am. And this, you know, kind of really bright, brutal sun. And um, I noticed that it was affecting my skin. And I always tease you a little bit with your bedtime routine. I, I say that, you know, if bedtime is 10 o'clock, it starts at 10 and you're in the bed at 1130. Um, but here we are kind of um, on the other side of it now, uh, having to give you lots of props and respect for that skincare routine because um, you've actually gotten me started on one of them. And uh, for me, one of the most intimidating places at the mall is Sephora. I, I go there and pick up stuff for you all the time. And it's a totally alien place where I don't know what's what. I, I didn't realize how many different shades of whatever skin tone, <laughs> color, you know, pigment you want there are out there. Um, and thankfully, uh, I have you that guided me through this moment of like, hey, I need to start taking care of my skin. You, the the skincare sort of expert. So, <laughs> baby, you know, break it down. You know, what, what should guys like me know about oh, skincare? Guys in general. I, you know, I, I would hardly call myself an expert. I've just been doing this for a long time. I've been, you know, watching my mom, watching my, my grandma using ponds you know you you don't need a crazy skin routine if you walk into sephora you walk into ulta you walk into any store a man walking in there alone is like a woman walking into a a, a car repair shop they're gonna be like oh you know they're gonna overcharge you they're gonna say you need all this stuff you need to moisturize you need to tone you need to do this and they're gonna upsell you you're gonna upsell you you're gonna spend thousands of dollars you're gonna be like my god a guy that cares about his skin we're gonna get him <laughs> Give me that wallet. A so, you know, don't be a sucker. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to circle back to this. It's not a girly place. I know Sephora, these places sell a lot of makeup. And the guys, it's the last place a man wants to be in. Maybe they'll pop in there to buy his wife a perfume or something like that. But it's really, they also sell skin care. Skincare products, shampoos, I mean, body washes. It's, it's a place for, for products that everyone uses so one thing that that got you in was when i noticed that you were your your face was getting more red and you know we're, we're both over 35 we're, we're seasoned ripened uh humans and i said you know i'm aging very well buddy so you need to step it up so for sun damage we i, I initially got you to start putting on more sunscreen that was specifically for your face not this didn't it didn't stop there not the stuff that you you rub on your on, you know on your thighs when you're on the beach because it's 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 thicker it's oily it's it's not flattering to have that to look like a grease ball when you're walking into a meeting um so for my guys out there the general thing to remember guys and girls so you know i, I know plenty of women that are that are proud and have beautiful skin and don't wear a lot of makeup and they're low maintenance. But I mean, some of the things that I'm talking about are just simple, simple, easy that everybody should be doing anyway. So just to remember is the three, three. So there are three types of skin. You either have oily, 
meaning that you are very slick and and shiny by noon. By the time you walk, but by the time you're ready to have lunch, if you're shiny and you need to, you know, wash your face or you touch your nose and it's slick, you have oily skin. Um, so oily skin, combination skin is a person that has a slick T-zone across their eyebrow and their nose. But if you touch your cheek and your chin, they're generally dry. Combination skin is a little bit of both. It's just one area that's oily and dry skin, meaning that your, your skin is just very dry, sometimes even um, ashy in throughout, like forehead, cheeks, chin, whatever. I didn't know there was that intermediate skin, the yeah. oily T-zone, but dry cheeks. And, and that's, and that's what I categorize under. So I have to be kind of careful about not putting too much of one product in one place, but that's, that's advanced. Let's, <laughs> so just remember three face, face, uh, skin types. Um, and then just three easy steps. The first thing is obviously cleanser. You got to wash the, the dirt and the oil from the day, from the environment. You went into the, the falafel shop, they're frying chicken, all that stuff's in your face. Don't go to bed without washing your face. It's really gross. It's you, just cause you don't see it. Doesn't mean it's not there. Um, toner. Look, and I, that's actually, I wanted to, I wanted you to get to this spot because I feel like that's the portion that made for me, like the biggest difference, right? We all know to wash our face. We're told that as kids at a very young age, right? You wash your face once and then you go to bed. But toner, what is toner? What is this magical thing? The second one is just as important, I feel, as the first. Because you think that just soap and water is going to do it. Some people, you're just in there, you do the basics. If you take that little cotton ball and you swipe it on the side of your nose and your chin, you'll see exactly what you missed those you need to use at least two or three cotton balls to to get it out and you'll see with toner exactly what's left behind so toner just kind of comes back in and it's like it's like the wolf it's like the fixer it kind of goes in and it just sops it all up and it also prepares your pores to absorb the moisturizer and all the other things you're going to do after better and that's step three step two well, moisturizer. One, one, one is cleanser, two is toner, three is moisturizer. Right. Just three things. Now, I do more than that. This is like the advanced course. I'm trying to like talk to, to just people that don't have any routine at all. So moisturizer uh, ideally should have SPF. I, you, I bought one for you that has both because I don't want to give you extra steps when you had none to begin with. So one moisturizer is perfectly fine. If you're going outside, please use one with SPF. Um, I did also buy you uh, an eye cream. That's technically a fourth step. I categorized that I lumped it under moisturizer, except that your eyes are sensitive, so they deserve their own TLC. Um, the advanced for women, we have, we're a little bit more um, observant. We stare at ourselves and, and our pores a little closer than men. There is a fourth step that goes right after the toner before your moisturizer, and that's a serum. So if there's women that want to brighten their skin or, or shrink in their pores or get, or if you have a little bit of rosacea or acne, like there's different other vitamin serums and anti-aging things that us women do. But for the most part, if you are low maintenance, which a lot of guys are, and uh, some of my girlfriends, just three steps. Just cleaning a lot. Everybody washes their face. If you add a toner to help cleaning, to help the cleanser out. To finalize and, that cleaning and step. And then do a moisturizer right after it. 
ideally with SPF, you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the game because if you go to bed dry, you're just calling with wrinkles. So you mentioned that if you don't know what you're doing at the uh, skin game store, you might get taken for a ride. And that reminds me, one of the things that we've been watching a lot of lately is scam TV. Yes. We have fallen (laughs) into a deep, dark rabbit hole of all things scammer, including um, Inventing Anna, New York's favorite uh, fake socialite. The The Soho scammer. Yep. And then there was the Tinder swindler. That one was very entertaining. <laughs> this guy, I mean, I'm shocked at, at the things these people get away with. You always want to think, you know, it will never happen to me, but... I, I feel bad for these women. I feel bad for these people. They, they, they thought they were being good friends or good girlfriends or good people, helpful people... But then what, when is enough enough? When, when do you say, okay, this is funny. When, you know, because I've seen some of the hate that goes, obviously what these people are doing is very heinous, but I've seen a lot of like really nasty things being said about the victims. Like, oh, if you're that dumb, you deserve to be swindled. Or if you're that dumb, you deserve to take, you know. Yeah, good old-fashioned victim blaming, right? Just terrible. Like, I feel really bad. You know, sometimes people are just, it's not even being naive. It's just, you want to believe in the goodness of people. Especially, you know, a thief knows how to steal. A criminal knows how to get, get away with it for a while. They, 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 they've been getting experience, building their resume. They know far more about scamming and deception than, than you. So the reason why someone is called a con artist, con is short for confidence. Yeah. So they've been spending money on you, showing you, proving to you that you're the good friend. And then eventually you're left holding the bag. Having you build confidence in them, yeah. And um, that reminds me of... Yeah, and uh, the the uh, Soho fake socialite Anna Sorokin and um, Elizabeth Holmes at at Theranos, both of them were driven by this notion of fake it till you make it, and I sometimes that word gets thrown around a lot when you're starting a major project or something like that. Where you, I you believe really... in that. There's a lot of value to to doing that and having the confidence because let's keep it real. People are not. You know, you can have the best product ever, the best pitch ever, but ultimately, if people don't like you, you're not selling anything. Right. But what I'm, um, what I want to say about faking it till you make it is that if if you were truly a visionary, if you're if you're truly somebody that that is is driven, is motivated, is capable of executing this idea then I think you're also equally capable of pivoting when the chips are down and, and you don't know and you realize your original idea can't come to fruition. You're capable of pivoting and developing something new based on what you built versus the fake it till you make it folks that just continue to bash their heads against the wall knowing that this thing is unattainable, unreachable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you don't care. You just, you just think, eventually I'm going to break through. And... You know, here we are, Elizabeth Holmes, about to get the book thrown at her. 
because she was hell-bent on executing on her original idea. And I'm not an expert in the case, but she had something. There was something there in, in some of the things that Theranos was doing. But she, was, she did not have the capability and the wherewithal to pivot and develop something else from it. She just kept right. bashing her head against, well, I'm going to run a thousand blood tests on a single drop of blood no, with minimal and, intervention. And unfortunately, you know, they found her not guilty for scanning the patients themselves. But I think being left to her own devices, I think it probably would have kept going and going and going. Like with Anna Delvey... I, I really felt like it was an obsession. It was not even about the Anna Delvey Foundation. I just think, it, had she succeeded in getting the building and establishing and getting all that money and, and meeting that immediate goal, it would have been like those bank heist movies. One more job, one more hit. This time is for $40 million, tomorrow is for $2 billion, and then it's going to be bigger and bigger. Like, you keep feeding the beast, you know? Yeah, she kept, she kept maintaining that that she was close to to her goal and and that had she made that it was going to legitimize her and all her previous actions that took to get there because well look what i did i built this giant foundation but she didn't have the science she, she didn't, didn't have the science behind she, it she didn't have the foundation uh she didn't have anything and somebody with that type of mentality even if you had even if anna sarokan had somehow gotten the however many millions of dollars she would have needed for her foundation she would have screwed that up too because she doesn't know any other way other than the scam. Right. Kind of like, uh, you know, these, these gangsters, as you said, going for that, that one last heist and I'm going to ride off into the sunset. Bullshit. All you know is greed. All you know is the chase. So for anyone looking for anything entertaining on TV, as though there was a lack, I highly recommend anything pretty much scam related. It could be the Lula Row. The Theranos, it could be Fire Festival. Lula, Lula Rich, very ah. entertaining, four episodes about the the legging MLM scandal. This very, I mean, it's fascinating what these people did. And inventing, inventing Anna. Anna, I think that that's more of like uh, it's a Shondaland, by the way, very entertaining, uh, and it's very glitzy. Like you can see how what a character she was and all the clothes and all the trips it's very it's very luxe to watch that one yeah it, it was it was visually pretty good and the the tinder swindler is really good because it's a documentary and you actually see photos and hear clips and videos from that, the that actual that one was more heartbreaking yeah from the actual um victims, victims that that he swindled i mean and the guy just well i don't want to ruin it but He's, right. he's a thing. No spoilers. No spoilers. He's, he's still around. All right. So 